Joy seekers, joy givers, anyone looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor. We've got another great show lined up for you today. But first, let's give a great big thank you to our sponsors. Are you currently renting your home? Give Team Aylesworth, Noemi, Harry, and Abby of Real Living First Realty a call. Trust them to help guide you through the home buying process. With interest rates as low as they are, now is a good time to take that leap into being a homeowner. The award-winning customer service team is ready to make you their priority. Call Noemi at 218-760-4689 or click the link for Team Aylesworth on the Business Impact Partner page at yourqfm.com. Make owning a home your reality today. Since 1894, Ameriprise Financial has worked for their clients' futures, helping millions of Americans retire on their terms. Work with Ameriprise Financial Advisors Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson, and together you'll develop a customized plan for your retirement. Discover the one-to-one relationship you deserve. Call Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson. Office is located downtown Bemidji at 122 3rd Street Northwest or at 1202 1st Street East in Park Rapids. Investment advisory products and services. Services are made available through Arise Financial Group, a division of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Thank you so much, sponsors, and thanks to all of you for choosing to tune in. You are not going to be disappointed with today's show. As we welcome, I, I always feel like saying, as we welcome to the stage, Dave Wall. <laughs> it's welcome to the studio and the microphone, but welcome, Dave. <laughs> Thank you, and it's great to be with you again. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's interesting because I was thinking about this in like, in a way, I wish you didn't have to be here because of the journey, and yet the journey is so in service of the Lord that, of course, you have to be here, right? Yeah, that's exactly true, and, uh, you know, you don't know what the next day holds, but being prepared for it is what counts, right? Yeah, being prepared where it counts, right? Mm-hmm. That's There's probably something all in that. The last time you were on the show, I was actually trying to figure this out. Was It was set, like almost three years ago, yes. and I think we were talking about ethnotracks and yes. Papua New Guinea and all these amazing adventures, and then over this last year, you found yourself in an entirely different adventure. So we're going to get to that. But let's, uh, for people that may not know you, let's at least just, let's give them the, you know, two minute version of Dave Wall. Did you always know the Lord? Da, 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 you know, those kind of little details people love to know. Uh, okay, great. Uh, I grew up in a Canadian military family, uh, which, um, you know, has its uh, uh own culture and that type of thing. And I was nine years old when I found the Lord. And uh, I always say that was through the shock approach to evangelism where my fourth grade teacher in the class of 20 boys and four girls in those days, uh, it was mayhem. But he came in and uh, he really wanted us to hear the gospel. So he had that big rubber thing hanging out his back pocket the second day of class. And I listened and I heard the gospel. And it was very clear to me that I was in need of a Savior and put my trust in him way back then. <laughs> yeah, boy, that was a long time ago. Yeah, and that hockey thing actually continued. Didn't you used to play on a, even an adult hockey team? Uh, well, in Canada, we, I had some prospects uh, in high school and in college up in Canada. And I chose a different route going yeah. to the mission field uh, eventually. So Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking around this Bemidji thing or something with all these adult guys that get together and have a little fun on the rink. Uh, yeah, actually, at 
5.15 today, we'll be doing that. <laughs> That's the one I was referring to. That's the local level. Yeah, yeah, well, but in its own way, it's kind of become a little infamous or famous, yeah. depending on how we frame that. Oh, I still skate with the young guys, not going to the over and 50 group yet. So. Yeah, well, you know, we're, it's good that we're keeping young, right? So, and of course, um, at some point, you met the love of your life. Uh, yes, I did. Um, I met her the first week of college. Well, that was a very one-sided meet where... She picked me out as the worst one in the class, the freshman class. So I, uh, I had some work to do, but she wasn't wrong in who she thought I was—just uh, a redheaded punk hockey player. And and uh, but anyway, it took me till our junior year to convince her I was Mr. Wright. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are. How many years later? How long have you been married? It'll be 34 years oh, this July. Congratulations! That is so Thank something you. to celebrate in today's world for sure. So. We're going to go to the, let's just call it what started as a normal day, but then didn't really start as a normal day, because we, we need to give people like, if you are listening to this and you didn't see what I was leading up to for the show, you're probably like, what is she talking about? So Dave, take her away. Okay. Well, August 6, 2020, um, I woke up, uh, you know, automatically at 6 a.m. and um, found my way to the restroom in the house and... I was like, uh, oh, I should just go back to sleep. I don't have an appointment in town till 8.30, but I'm kind of, when I get up at 6, the coffee goes on, the day started, right? But I thought uh, I would go back to bed and maybe get a few more winks, which is almost impossible. But I actually did fall asleep, and when I laid down, Cindy was had her head on her elbow and looking at me, and I just gave her a little kiss on the elbow, and, and I, I uh, went back to sleep. And then I heard her get up and head to the bathroom maybe five or ten minutes and but I heard this thump and I was like oh she must have hit the bathroom door like at our age we often do when we're slumbering (laughs) (laughs) and uh anyway uh I looked off the end of the bed and she was nowhere near the door she's in the middle of the bedroom we have a large bedroom and and so oh she must have been dizzy you know so I get off the end of the bed and before I'm off I can see she's in full grand mal seizure it's not pretty uh and I went right down to her on the floor there, and um, she, uh, I knew from my training from being overseas and isolated in the jungle and training through the sporting and entertainment industry, I needed to get her on her side because when you come out of Grand Mall, which usually is, could just be a minute, usually you want to vomit. And Well, she didn't come out of the Grand Mall, but I got her in position. Then I was like... I. I was hit with this thought that we're not afraid to die, and we aren't. Uh, the life we've lived, you can't be afraid to die. But um, I just said, well, it's not going to happen here on the bedroom floor, um, even though we're not, we're very secure in our, our faith. And so I had to get back to the bed stand and get my phone, get back to her, keep her in position, because uh, when someone's in grand mall, they are, they're out of control. The body's twitching, and it's just not very nice anyway got a hold of um dispatch and uh um yeah it was just a very surreal moment I was like in and out of responder mode I was crying and then my tears would dry up and I'd be in responder you know taking care of what I needed to and then be back in husband mode and yeah it was it was quite something so there's some there's one thing that really 
I just, I don't want to over, you know, Chris, I have luxury of, I've read a couple of chapters of the book, right? Mm. So I I don't want to fill in too much that you haven't said here, but you did say it, which is this thing about this prompting to go get your phone. There was that voice that said, go get the phone, because you're in this mode of, I'm husband, I'm responder, what do I do? I can't even imagine the amount of emotions going through your mind. And yet you you heard this little voice that said, go get the phone. I believe that was the voice of God. I mean, it's Holy Spirit, right? Well, sure. And even that I didn't freeze in it. And because you um, subsequently, like when things started happening later, I was pretty much in a fog, but not at that time. So I was very thankful I could go in and out of those. But yeah, I mean, like Cindy and I, we had talked about the possibility of an aneurysm because of her mother. She passed away 28 years to the week, the same age. Um, oh my God. I just literally had and, the shivers just went in my arm. And so we were prepared in a way, but we learned a whole lot more after it happened, obviously. But, um, but anyway, the whole thing was Cindy wants nothing more than to go to her savior. So I had that instant thing hit me of, do I let this go? And I feel terrible for even thinking that. But then it was like the Lord said to me, you don't have to let her go on the bedroom floor here. Get your phone, get the 911 in and get things on the go. And, uh, you know, because anybody would want to give her that chance, right? And so that's how that came about. So 911, so you, you talk to the dispatch, they come lead us kind of through as much as you can remember those like next steps. Cause it, at some point it, it can become a blur, right? Because there's so much going on. Right. Well, let me just back up three weeks and I'll do, I'll say this very quickly cause it's all in the book. I was currently unemployed and uh, my sons and w- in consultation with their sisters sat me down and knew the stress I was in at work. And uh, cause I was having to, be a carpenter and lay pavers and I can't even hang a picture straight and I was just so stressed out and Cindy hadn't been feeling real well we we weren't sure what was going on they thought it was a kidney infection and and uh, anyway the kids said dad we want you just to stay home with mom get out of that stressful environment because that's those that's not where your gifts are and they know that. And I felt like such a failure, but my kids came around me and just said, we're going to support you in this because we know it will be better for the both of you. <laughs> so when I got up that morning, I, I wasn't going to work. I was going to go have breakfast with a friend. And I that was perfect because I was there. And if it had happened at three in, the, in three o'clock in the morning, I would have been like, oh, she just banged the door and I probably would have fallen back to sleep. So all of that, um, dispatch was, uh, did a wonderful job. The ambulance is on the way, on the way. We're about 15 to 20 minutes north of town. And I told them, Hey, can you call my brother-in-law just down the laneway to come and help? And he did. Well, they came through the door like the Marines, uh, my sister-in-law, brother-in-law, my nephew, and, and my sister-in-law is the, uh, county jail administrator, Calandra. She's dealt with seizures tons and it was wonderful she just took over she knew the dispatch gave her badge number everything it was amazing and and she took over and so the ambulance got there we had cleared had my nephew clear out the driveway and 
from the cars and everything else and and uh, they got there and and uh, Cindy came out of the seizure but it was uh we figured it had been over 10 minutes long and that's just not obviously healthy so the ambulance got on its way with Cindy uh, she had come to when she'd left but she doesn't remember anything and then I found out later that she actually uh my sister-in-law had to resuscitate her so she would have died otherwise let's just let's just take a pause for a minute there's so much already my gosh we're just barely into this and there's so much so i there's the word that just keeps coming up for me is this orchestration of god oh yeah i mean the fact the timing the fact that you're there the fact that your kids had noticed in you the stress level and could take care of you and um, the, the scripture about the yoke just came, I just like is just like popping in my brain right now. And the um, the fact that you have these family members who get there and can take charge of the situation like this is, you know, when we talk about trusting God, this is what we're talking about. He provides what we need when we need it. And for his glory, yeah. it could have had a completely different ending even right there. And yet, here's God, I'm working in here, I'm working in here, I'm working in here. It's it, it's like this orchestra coming together. Yeah, I look at it, it's, uh, you know, when you talk about the sovereignty of God and responsibility of man, which are both in Scripture, so it's like an airplane, I say. The best place to be in an airplane is on, in the fuselage. That's the Word of God, and it teaches both of those things. So don't hack one wing, wing off because you're going to have trouble. But then he gives us little puzzle pieces to put in place that we don't see where they're fitting in the picture. But my sons actually disciplined me. They came alongside me in reverse role and said, we know something's wrong and we're going to help you with it. And they gave me the opportunity to express that to them. And I was hiding it from them even though they could see it, just like with our kids. Yeah. <laughs> they would totally reverse the role. Oh, my anyway, goodness. Anyway, so then. Yeah. Okay, so we're yeah. so now we're in the ambulance. She's been resuscitated. Walk right. us through the next part. Okay, we. my sister-in-law comes up to me, and now I'm in the fog, and she just gra- holds my arm. Dave, get in your car and go. And I needed to get some clothes on because I was just in my boxers. And uh, so I head to the hospital. I don't remember one thing driving to the hospital except pulling in and as I get out of the car here comes the ambulance attendant Mr. Walsh she went into a second seizure and did not come out so they had called ahead and the ER team there was waiting right there to intubate her so that she could be on life support and uh, and the doctor I get in and the doctor came out and he he explained that she had a sub arachnoid hemorrhage which is uh, an aneurysm that has burst basically and her ventricles were filling with blood and uh, they said we've called the helicopter to come and take her to Fargo because that's where they have a better neurology team and so I'm just I go into the room there she is my lifeless wife on the table he takes me over to the computer screen and shows me and he was actually a little conservative in his description but subsequently we found out that they they did not think she would make it to Fargo because of the the pressure builds in your ventricles and then basically chokes your brain off and uh, so <clears throat> it, 
from there, I mean, there's so many details. I know. Well, this you know? is, a, this is, I, I think, you know, first of all, you know, I, we're, I'm 53. We're in roughly our same yeah. age categories, right? So one of the things that just really strikes me about this is, you know, it's not like you guys are in your 70s and 80s right. and that, right? And, and I, as married couples, I think sometimes we don't always have these conversations. Right. And now all of a sudden, here you are faced with looking at your beautiful wife who you love and adore so much and you're looking at these scans up there what's going through your brain well you know it's all about preparation in our minds we had to be prepared living overseas all those years that years that we might face death right and that verse philippians 121 is for me to live as christ to die as gain that's a win-win for us as believers right yeah. And if you take that verse and just change it and say, for me to live as myself, or maybe it's hockey, or my hobby, or my family, you're putting yourself in that first space, and that's a lose. And then when you die, you lose. That's a lose-lose. So we were prepared for this, and the thoughts in my mind, Deb, were, I know Cindy wants me to let her go from the beginning, because her mom had the privilege of going that way. And I know a lot's changed in 28 years and the whole, how they treat those things. But that's what's on the front of my mind. I, we will, I, as a responsible husband, I'm going to do all I can. But we're going to, we had talked at length about if we were ever on life support, we'll give it a chance. But we're not going to prolong it because we are sure of the gospel. And that's really what was going through my mind. And Cindy would not want to come back halfway. No quality of life. She has 11 grandchildren. That's, that's where she is watching them right now. And, uh, you know, she would rather take the gain of going. And, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, if she came back, she'd want it 100%. Yeah. But. So she gets on well she doesn't get on the helicopter they put her on the helicopter she goes down to Fargo you have to go down to Fargo at this point so did somebody go with you do you, that's what I was thinking about that like my gosh here you are in this the fog as you call it <laughs> yeah. and I'm thinking to myself oh my gosh did he drive down there by himself I did and uh had my earbuds in because I was just going to listen to my favorite morning programs and I didn't even hear any of them because the phone started ringing off the hook. First of all, it was one of the doctors getting permission to do things. I'm like, you're actually asking me? Like, anyway, uh, but uh, it was, and then I was talking with the kids and and Cindy's closest friend, I called her. And before I knew it, I was down in Fargo and we were, we were taken up to the third floor waiting room. She's up in ICU on fifth floor where they've started the procedure of all that they had to do. And uh, we were waiting a long time, and we were like, did we hear something wrong? Like, I thought this was just going to be an hour, and it ended up being three and a half hours. So when they finally let us up to the room to see her, the doctors came in, and they said, um, we, we were able to coil the first hemorrhage, that's what they call that, pulled all the gear out, because they go in through your femoral artery now, and they said she had a sec second hemorrhage right there. So they had to go back in. And so my questions, thinking of Cindy and her desires, and the kids all know her desires, I say to the, the doctors, what's the prognosis? And they said, well, we know what to do. 
but we have no prognosis for you. She came in at the worst that she could come in at and has, has had a second hemorrhage. So we've done what we can do. We don't. We, we have no prognosis for you. And I said, well, what about damage? Can't assess that yet. What if she tanks, like goes way downhill? And they said, well, then you're going to be guaranteed that there will be issues if she even recovers from that. And I said, well, we are very secure in our faith. Then we would not want her resuscitated. And I'm advocating for her. And the doctor said, I understand that. And we put the DNR bracelet on her. Uh, so everybody would, any attendant would see that if she went further downhill, that um, it was our desire that she be let go. But the doctor said, give us 48 hours. And we agreed to that. And, um, you know, that evening, I finally got to be alone in the room with her. We had the kids in and the grandkids, two at a time. And because it might be the last time they could see their mother and grandmother. And, and uh, when I was finally there by myself, it was my time with God. Because <laughs> your mind's just going 100 miles an hour, right? So I stood by Cindy and beside her bed, and, and I talked to her first, and I said, you know, honey, God's given us a wonderful 33 years. But you're free to go. And that doesn't mean we weren't going to mourn and grieve and everything. Yet that's necessary, but I was willing to let her go. And I learned in the tribe, they do this thing called their death song when a close relative dies. It's so intense. They'll actually lay on the body and sing a song of their life with that person. And before we got there, it was always done in total despair because they have no hope. But... Afterwards, they would still do the death song, but it would always end in an understanding that they would be reunited someday. So I started my death song with my wife standing there. But just before that, I said to the Lord, we're okay that she goes, you know that. But if you bring her back, and it was like I was right in the throne room. I said, if she comes back, my only ask is it's 100%. Then I began my death song, literally. And it was like God's hand went up right in front of my face and he said, Dave, stop. And I stopped. And I said, I will listen, I'm stopping. And I had to leave at eight o'clock and of course that night was, I was like a tennis ball on the court, back and forth the volley. Of, am I going to be a widower tomorrow morning or am I going to, you know, is Cindy only going to come back halfway or whatever? But I had to rest that I pleaded my wife's case before the Lord. Either she, she'd be allowed to go or if she comes back, be 100%. And I had to rest in that. So, So let's go behind the curtain a little bit because as this is going on for you there, behind the scenes, you've got all these people praying and following and I mean I was one of them that would cherish these updates that you would put out because there was something so beautiful about 
oh, you'd be doing a little update. Oh, and then I went to put in this little kiss and it was like, he's falling in love with his wife all over again. And it's so beautiful and it's so special and it's so like coming as a child would, right? Like it was like this budding romance all over again. And so behind the curtain, we've got all of us following and praying and praying without ceasing. And I don't know how aware of how aware at that moment were you of that or did that start to be things you actually saw later? Well, it it started right away because my kids, their networks as big as mine around the world having grown up overseas, right? So texts and calls and whatever way now you can just call a messenger, you know, if you're on Facebook and Oh, people just started pouring in and calling, and um, it was it, it it was amazing. And that's what Cindy would say if she was here. She goes, you know, it it blew us away the support that came in through that time, and um, and it's very true about the you know when your wife is hanging in the balance, I mean, I love my wife dearly and you'll read in the book how we first met. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we've worked hard at our marriage and this was, we were at a point of, it was going to end. And so you bend over and kiss your wife and she's still warm because she's being kept alive. But you know that that might end very soon. Yeah, I did fall in love with her all over again. I mean, and uh, it was a very precious time. We're not going to give away what happens after this, that we call it the death song moment, because the Lord stopped you from actually completing that, because you're going to be coming back. So for those of you who thought you were getting the rest of the story today, you're not getting the rest of the story today because we want to wait and tell the rest of the story when the book is actually out. There's something I wrote down. um, And that is about, is your faith real and alive? I want you to just with, we just got a couple minutes left in today's show. Tell us about this moment of the death song and faith being real and alive for you. in that moment when God says, stop. Well, we very much believe that, Faith is simply taking his God, taking God at his word and acting upon it. So if that is Philippians 121, I've got to choose in my heart before the trial that that is what I want to believe. And you're going to get tested. Everybody's going to get tested in a very drastic way sometime. And then when I was beginning my death song, I knew it was Hebrews, early chapters of Hebrews, where our anchor is behind the veil and we have confidence to go into the throne room. That's what I was thinking about during that time. And it was. I communed with God directly. And that's not some fluffy thing. It's, this was very real. And I advocated for my wife before him because I was allowed to. And that's relationship. That's real faith in action, I guess. And it just points to when we have relationship with God, this is what happens. 
And so many times we just go through life, we go through the motions. You and I were talking about that before we went on the air. And yet when we put the time in to build that relationship, we do have communion with him. And I, I love the word you use. I pleaded my case to him. Mm-hmm. And he listened. And he listened in a pretty big way. A pretty big way. Now, we know you're coming back, but can you just give us the 30-second tease around the book that will give not just this, but the rest of the story? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the 30-second tease, oh, that's a... Each chapter is like a hurdle that we needed to get over. You know, our daughter ran D1 track, and she did the hurdle, her hurdles her last year, they're brutal. Your shins get banged and everything, but you got to get to that last stretch. And it was like every day was something we faced. Um, and, uh, you know, Cindy's at home watching the grandkids, so it's a good ending, right? <laughs> we know that the ending is going to be good, but there is so much more that's going to be no talked about. Alert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there kind of yeah. is because there's a lot that happens. Right. Dave Wall, and you are coming back. Thank you. <laughs> we are going to talk more about DNR. Do not resuscitate. We're going to talk more about joy and we're going to talk more about faith being real and alive. Thanks for joining us today. We can't wait. My privilege. Thanks to all of you for choosing to listen. There is so much more to come from Dave Wall and DNR. Please remember to live joy and share joy. Live joy, share joy, shine your light to the world. This is Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy. Thank you for tuning in to Live Joy, Share Joy. We currently have availability for corporate sponsors on the show. Do you want to be aligned with all things joy and reach our listening audience? We have several options available, including our joy boosters. Contact your QFM today for sponsorship details.